It's the Sunday call-in show from UGASports.com. Jason Butt is here. I'm Dan Young in for Paul Meharry, who is at the 11 Alive studios. And if you are watching this live, uh, hang out for a couple more hours. You can see what he does on 11 Alive, the Sports Extra, which I believe happens at 11.30 tonight. I think that's the time. Uh, yep. You can find it wherever 11 alive publishes things which will be their website we don't have any limits here we're not twitter so uh i think as long as you have youtube operating you can check out what we're doing here on this youtube channel and subscribe to us uh we enjoy hanging out with you guys on a sunday night you want to join us you know how to do that it's in the um description for the youtube channel jason i want to start with this because uh have you attended sec media days before oh yeah yeah Yeah. uh, multiple ones yeah yeah I, I thought that was the case, but after you started covering the Falcons, I didn't even know that wouldn't be something on your radar for them. So this would have been pre-Falcons Correct. Uh, for your yeah. SEC media days. I've been to a few as well. All the ones I've been to have been at the Winfrey and in Hoover, Alabama uh, right. at the hotel, which I think is just a lovely experience. Yeah, kind of breaks my heart that they send it to Atlanta and Nashville, a game that I always like to play. Who's Georgia going to send? And during COVID, it was only two people, but I think we're back to three representatives from the team. So uh, I, I've made my prediction on UGA Sports Live last week. So I'll give that to you in a second. But I'm just curious, who do you think Georgia sends to SEC media yeah. to represent the team? Okay, so <clears throat> I think uh, the first one is a no-brainer. That's Cedric Van Pran, leader of uh, this offense at this point in terms of returning contributors uh, and the fact that uh, he, he has a good story in terms of selling the UGA program, which is really what Media Days is, is about. You want your best guys who can sell the program. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be a quarterback. Uh, and Kirby Smart has played it that way before, where the quarterback doesn't go to Media Days. Cedric Van Pan makes way too much sense. I, I think I think you can pencil him in, uh, undoubtedly. Um, I think there's a few. The next one, I'm going to go with Brock Bowers. I think you got to send Brock Bowers. I mean, come on. He's he's a, a, a potential Heisman candidate before the season starts. Uh, it, I mean, I know he's a tight end, so people might say, oh, come on. I, I don't know if I buy that. But I have to say absolutely with uh, Brock Bowers. And then you're going to send a defender. And, uh, I, you know, I think uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson is, is the guy on defense that you're, that you're probably sending. Um you could send Kamari Lassiter. I don't know, but he also is just coming off of one year as a starter. Uh, I mean, I guess Jamon is too. Uh, Malachi Starks. You could. Uh, I, I I just think defense. You got you got a lot of talent there. Uh, I I don't know. That that's that's where I am. Uh, k- kind of uh, stuck. But I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Dumas Johnson as my uh, def- as my defend defensive uh, representative for Georgia. We bring in Ben Choppy Bachman, who this is part of your show. I'm the guest on, on this particular <laughs> one. Uh, but I am timely. They taught us in journalism school, do you know what time the 6 o'clock news starts? And it's 6 o'clock. So that's how we started the show. And- I was in the wrong stream yard, like, like being like, Dane, what, what is this? It was a black screen for the longest time, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. There's nobody in here. <laughs> Oh, so, good, my friend. So my uh, I, I sent you pictures of that just to show you, but <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm not hating on your tardiness. I think this is the. No, experience. I know. I'm just this is. Uh, I'm gonna text Paul later, and he's gonna be like, "This is the experience on the Sunday show." Like it kind of gets off to a sputtering start, and here we are. And I love it. I'm. I gotta go back. I'm an idiot. Javon Javon Bullard is the is oh. the representative. So ben, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking tonight. Oh, I, I'm the sleeper, and this is Chaz Chambers. Are you kidding me? absolute sleeper no no javon bollard golly man i am well you also have to have a talker like brock bowers is an obvious choice but he's not much of a talker but i think yeah at this point you have to take him because it's not like he's awful with it and he's been a part of i mean he's been your best weapon for both your championship teams he has to be a media day guy van Prant is he allowed to go again or yeah why not yeah yeah, yeah, so he'll be there okay so van Prant's a given then i'll go bowers and on defense probably Probably Dumas Johnson because he's the leader of the defense in the middle. <laughs> that's who I that's who I said. That's who I said first. Right, so I, three. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm switching. I'm flipping to Bullard. I'm I mean uh yeah, just just coming off of uh, all, all the, the 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 plays he made in the playoffs and, and, and everything Ooh, and the Dan MVP. Jackson also <laughs> I, I'm somewhere in the middle of you guys because I agree Van Pran will be there. I also think that Javon Bullard will be there because of just the hot end to last season with the interceptions at the, the prime times. 
My question is, yes, Bowers is one of the best players in the country. And I assume that if media has any sway, the ESPNs of the world, they're going to have Bowers on that spotlight because he's one of the best players in the game. But Ben, you're right. It's not that he's necessarily bad at media. He has no interest in doing it. It reminds me so much of Nick Chubb, which uh, Jason, you can uh, affirm that like Nick Chubb would show up and he would be kind and he would be polite, but you could tell didn't want to be there. Not his thing. And that's cool. Um, and I think Georgia tried to respect that. I don't know if they'll be able to do that with Bowers as much this season because of how good he is. The other thing I wondered, Lad McConkey has done this a little bit more than Bowers. Does Lad McConkey want that stage to try to begin boosting up that NFL draft status? Bowers won't need that. Will McConkey want that? Would he? I don't think that players requesting necessarily Kirby's going to make this call and send who he wants to send. But would McConkey be in that mix? Yeah, he's a senior too, which makes me think last year, Nolan Smith was a senior. Stetson was obviously, I mean, if he wasn't a senior, there's a problem. And then um, you had Van Prater was the leader of your offensive line. So you look at it, I think that logically makes sense that they're going to want a lot of guys who have been in the program a really long time. And Lad's been there. This is his fourth year. And he's going to be, he might be a top 50 draft pick next year. Like he can push for it. Like I, I saw some highlights of him the other day and was looking at his numbers compared to the rest of the SEC. I'm like, sleeper chance to be like the second highest drafted wide receiver to George Pickens under Kirby, which is kind of surprising. I never would have guessed that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Ladd McConkey might actually be a better pick than Bowers. Do not think it'll be a quarterback at all. I don't no. think so. Um, I, I just don't see them taking – which, I mean, is it much of a quarterback controversy right now? It doesn't seem that way. Um, I'm one of the few believers that think Brock Vandergrift is still in this thing. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I'm happy to be on that mm-hmm. island. Um, I need to see it from Carson Beck before I be- kind of annoy him to where others have. Yeah, Regardless that he's doesn't have experience, you rarely send a quarterback without experience to something like media days. Especially when you haven't officially named the starter, and Kirby's not going to do that. And so he's not going to send the guy out there without – Firmly entrenching him, you know, because we we can have a we, we can say what we we see and what we believe, which is Carson Beck is the you know, more than likely going to open the year as the starter. Although I know Dane said, you know, Brock Vandegrift still has a shot, but at this stage, I think it's pretty fair to say that Carson Beck leads uh, for this spot. But until Kirby Smart says Carson Beck is definitively our starting quarterback, I don't think there's a chance that that he ends up uh, going to media days. I think uh, I'm kind of with you. I think Loud McConkey has a shot, but I, I just don't see how Georgia can get away with. I mean, I, I think there will actually be some, you know what? It doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I do think there will be some criticism from uh, the, the folks attending if Brock Bowers isn't there, based on the fact that he is, as you said, Dane, one of the best players in the in the entire country. It would, it would just be kind of silly to not have somebody who's uh, going into his third season. Uh, probably going to the NFL after that season. It would just be silly not having him there. Two things. If Jalen Walker was a starter last year, he would have been going. He would be going these next two years because of his media presence and what he is. But my other sleeper would be Stackhouse because they always like those big guys going. I remember Jordan Davis was there. Stackhouse is a fourth-year guy. Some of the mock draft projections have him even cracking in the late first round because if he adds to his like interior pass rush, he's really good against the run. I mean – He's that guy that maybe they're going to prop up like this is our guy along the defensive front because he's another guy in Lad's, you know, in, in same situation as Lad. He's played similar amounts. He's a senior. He's a guy similar draft stock. Do they want to boost him up? Because he's also a guy on social media who does a lot of goofy things on social media. So he's kind of one of those guys that they might want to prop up there. Media days is a weird thing because for the players and the teams, they come out for – what, maybe half a day? They're there for a total of something like four or five hours, uh, maybe a little bit longer if they do one of the private meetings with the media that's there for their team. But for the media members that cover all four days, I would say it's kind of exciting at first, and you get the updates from the commissioner, and you kind of get it going. But I don't Jason, did you have this thought? Uh, and I don't know if you've covered all four days, but like by the second day, it kind of starts to feel like a slog of like, all right, how do we make this different from yesterday? Well, I think uh, so. When I covered media days, the first time it was it was twice when I was in college, 
And uh, so you're just covering Georgia, and that was literally it. We, we would do some other stories if there was a Georgia connection. But especially back then, um, internet was just getting started, like in terms of uh, really ramping that up for news coverage. So uh, didn't really – we tried to make the most of it, though. Um, but then when I worked with the Macon Telegraph uh, – and, yeah, I mean, I, I would do some other SEC stories, but – Georgia, I want to say all three years, Georgia was the second day. So I would get in uh, maybe late the first day. really didn't care about the first day. And then uh, it would usually be what, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would say by Thursday, you're just you're just done. <laughs> done. Especially when it's, I want to say you've got Ole Miss uh, going and it was Hugh Freeze. He's, he's filibustering. The only media covering Ole Miss is is uh, just just a bunch of fanboys who who worship the ground that the head coach walks on. There was one guy, one guy, uh, Ole Miss credentialed reporter wearing an Ole Miss shirt, clipping his fingernails uh, uh, next to his, me and some, I can't remember who the other person was, like clipping his fingernails while he freezes talking. And I I was just like, get me out of here! I'm done with this. Like, why am I still here at this point? I mean, I was definitely the media member that started to ask the goofy questions because I just didn't care about your depth at right guard. And (laughs) um, so, like, it would be – I remember asking one of the Auburn linemen what their order was at Waffle House, and that was kind of off the wall. (laughs) My favorite one, which it kind of got awkward because he didn't really get the joke that I was going for, but Bud Dupree from the state of Georgia played at Kentucky, and I just asked him, is there a more Kentucky name than Bud Dupree? And like, I thought it was a fantastic little joke. And he's just like, yeah, it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> so well, like with context, I got so, a decent story out of kind of like a off the wall question, but it needed the context to have it. So Jason is the Waffle House, Georgia Tech coach, Jeff Collins and the Ole Miss media. Like, which one are you like more? <laughs> which one do you hate more? Between the two, oh, I know you. Collins. He went on a rant on Collins. Yeah, the Jeff that. Collins that rant. Uh, that was that was good. <laughs> that was one of the greatest things I've ever. Had <laughs> Probably Collins. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss media. I, I don't think twice about them, but like Collins, <laughs> when he would get, you know, when he was coaching there, it was just one thing after the other that made me laugh every day. So he he gave me more uh, more uh, uh, entertainment from a comedic standpoint than. Uh, that uh i don't know the old miss media i mean i don't read anything the old miss reporters write say whatever so you know, no, no i'm not trying to like like you know kill them or anything i'm not trying to be rude but i just don't, don't think you know it's, it's not a team georgia doesn't play them often so it's not anything that i have to really concern myself with it's really just that one guy <laughs> just that one guy clipping his nails man that was so gross and so weird just that that is sec media days in a nutshell they credential everybody you just get some absolute weirdos coming through and and some just really weird questions. Not not like the, the funny Dane type of questions, but just really stupid uh, stuff that, that's just off the wall that uh, you're just like, come on, let's keep this moving. Let's get out of here. Yeah, uh, that's the one thing about media is I'm confused about. Sometimes you'll see a random Georgia safety and he's on like radio for like a Kentucky show and the guy's like, all right, what am I supposed to ask here? I'm a Kentucky guy. Like you just kind of get the feeling of you need material and the material just doesn't connect. Like, that's the hard part. But also, I think for media days, last year was the best because the Saban Jimbo stuff was fantastic. Right. So if, unless there's something like that, it's not as newsworthy. Um, so I think they should push a lot of the better teams or the bigger brand teams to, like, the third and fourth day just so it's like, okay, it starts off, and then it just ends great. So people are sitting there just anticipating, oh, Brian Kelly's going to get up there and say something cringe for LSU on day three or day four. And, you know, you have Alabama and Georgia going each one of those days. Like, that would be a better setup than, okay, we had to load up Ole Miss and Vanderbilt on day four, you know? I mean, I do think they tried to split up the sound bites because we'd always look, where's Les Miles? What day is he? Brett Bielema had a bit of that status. Back in the day, Spurrier obviously had that. And it seems like they tried to put those on opposite days because they knew that they would kind of come with some personality. And a lot of coaches don't. I remember, I think it was, it may have been Gus Malzahn. There was one of the coaches that literally did an opening statement in the main room for like 19 minutes answer was, one question and they were out i think it was gus i think you're yeah. right I think it was I, gus. usually they go through the entire depth chart and just give you like something on the backup punter yeah i want to say kirby did that his second year and he went really long like 15 minutes or so and then kind of smiled 
after that. Yeah. And uh, but then I I feel like since he's he's been pretty pretty good about hey here's my opening statement you can ask ask questions like Les Miles has done that. There's an there's an art to the filibuster. Uh, I know I remember Les Miles doing it. Uh, Gus, I I feel like I was there for the Gus one, man. <laughs> and, and Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze did it too. Hugh Freeze went really long, but he was never going to get. I'm going back to the old Miss Media thing now. Like, I, he was not going to get any hard questions. Uh, I don't know how Lane Kiffin is um, there with that, but yeah. Dude, I'm going to miss Mike Leach. Like now that well, like when Dame's bringing up his questions, it's like Dane's the reporter that's built for a Mike Leach, or you could just say something. Just, to him. Oh man, and yeah. then he'll just go on a whole. Like he, you can get ten minutes just out of like the most bizarre question to Mike. But Leach. but like he'll he go on, and it'll make mainstream. Headlines. Yeah, but like Mike Leach will will take it and run with it and have fun with it. You know, like. I feel like there's a lot of players and coaches who uh, who don't take that st- or, or just feel like that's beneath them to have fun with that sort of stuff. Like or they're Eli just Drinkle- themselves- yeah, they just take themselves I, I, I don't seriously. Know what it is about that guy, yeah. Jason? But I'm kind of like with you with Collins. I just cannot stand Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> just I don't know if he has a punchable face or something. I don't know. What it is. We're talking I'm about nice. assault now. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, but it's just something about Drinkwitz. It's like. This guy is just not likable That's at awesome. all. You want to worry his about NIL comments? <laughs> like his NIL comments about uh, yeah, doctors yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. I'm like, dude, contradicting himself like three times and is like trying to make his yeah, point. Well, dude, the, this this guy's a buffoon. Yeah, well, the point is he can't compete NIL, so he doesn't want it. That's literally the point. <laughs> hey, let's bring hey, in your friend. Let's bring in friend of the show, Eddie from Ackworth, fresh off of uh, a fun appearance with Bill Shanks for a long time on the show the other day. I listened to some of that, Eddie. Uh, oh, thank good job you. on there. Yeah, man. No, that, that was fun. That was a that was a fun little uh, back and forth there. I appreciate that. So can I make two observations before we get going? And I want to I want to contribute my three players. Uh, first is Ben Bachman. The background's different because you don't have your UGA sports thing. little glimpse there yeah. into uh, – uh, wood paneling in the basement. That's pretty awesome. Throwback to the seventies is what it looks like. Oh yeah. I'm in my parents' house. My grandfather okay. who I was named after built this entire house. That's so wow. cool. I love this is the whole, That's this is Baltimore Colts. Style. I was going to say, I was going to see the Baltimore yeah. Colts helmet. Yeah. This is Baltimore yeah. Colts. Yeah. This is Cal Ripken. Wait, wait, wait. wait. How, how are you saying that? Same what? Baltimore. Baltimore. It sounded like you were saying Baltimore. No, I, I don't have. I'm not one of those people with an accent. My, my parents have accents. I always get get on about milk yeah. and milk. I feel like, like yeah, I was really close. I was really close to Baltimore. That's really no. cool. Really cool. Yeah. And the second thing is, um, Jason, you won apparently the uh, the the thing we did last week on the votes, right? Uh, did I actually win? Uh, that's that's what I heard through the grapevine. Oh man, I didn't pay. I guess I didn't pay no, enough attention. I thought I uh, I don't know. I thought uh, it was it was you that won for some reason. I guess Paul that's what last. That's yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul was definitely last. I mean, I was, it, it, that's all I said mattered. Paul came well, in last. I, and Paul and he told cheated me with that, the Bobo pick. He cheated yeah, with that, that pick. Paul told that me that you won, Jason. And okay. so I would normally say congratulations, but I, I'm going to protest and say that the, the vote was stacked, and I'm going to be protesting at UGA Sports with a big shaman hat, and we're going to we're going to go down there and protest. Stop the steal, baby! You you stole. Oh, wow! It. Wow! <laughs> wow! Okay, we go. We're going there. <laughs> There's no politics rule, Eddie. You know that. You may get sent to Chile after this. <laughs> go on, go to God. That was really fun. Really he, he's lucky. That. Dash isn't here, or else that that'd be a perma ban. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was really fun. So I, I I logged on a little bit late. I, I'm sure the consensus is Cedric Van Pran is going to be one of those three guys, right? Yeah. I mean, I had him written down first. That's easy. Uh, I, I'll go through my second and third if you'll allow me. I, I thought mm-hmm. Zion Logue would be a good one to have mm-hmm. on there for the defensive line. I think he's very well spoken what I've seen. And I'm with you on the Brock Bowers thing, except I don't think – I don't think what I, I love Brock Bowers. Don't get this wrong, but I think there's some guys who are just not acclimated and do well in speaking to the media. And Brock Bowers, I don't know. He just doesn't. He's just kind of one line answer, and that's not what people are looking for. I put down Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. I think that guy is a is a team before me all the way, and I just think he's very well spoken, been there, done all the battles. I just think that he's going to put him in front of Brock Bowers. But I get what you said, Jason. How do you not put Brock Bowers there being one of literally one of the best players in the country? 
only reason I would not have Rosemary Jack Saint is because after the reckless driving arrest, like you know, the team is going to be asked about it anyway. Uh, yeah. So you're not going to have one of those guys there. But I didn't Pilar get into something? Yeah, but I mean, that was over a year ago, and I think it was that was really uh, small though. But smaller. Because Nolan yeah. Smith had like the most minor thing. He like drove in a construction zone, and then he was there. So, and, and we say that about Van Pran. I mean, Van Pran was around the, the wreck in January. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like, we know he will also be asked about that as well. It's just, I think he's answered enough about it at this point. He probably knows the answer to give. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point, though, Dane. Yeah. Dane, you know who might be the most underrated Georgia guy when it comes to media was Channing Tindall. Channing Tindall was fantastic with the media. Like, I, don't, I don't know. He was definitely on that championship team. He might have been first or second with the media, which. I don't know. I just remember randomly picked it up because I remember when I interviewed Jalen Walker, I was like, dude, they're the same person. So that's <laughs> Jaylen why Walker like, Jaylen Walker. Yeah, he is. That's why I'm like, next year he'll be on the media days. There's no doubt. Jordan Hall's a guy that will get up there one day. He's a freshman, so obviously not. And just now, bad but... mouth Florida. <laughs> yeah, he'll do some of that. Um, if it, certain guys just want to talk about, like, I think it was Jake Camarda that we talked to. And like, he was kind of bad about talking about football, but if you let him talk about golf, it was fantastic. Like he needs a golf podcast. And so like, once you can figure out what the guys are genuinely interested in telling you about, like you know, I try to ask him things that aren't football a lot of times because like, you're going to get better answers. Well, I think you can get some good stories, especially if you're trying to find a, an angle for a feature, not to go journalism one-on-one here, but yeah. uh, Jake Fromm was obviously not a great football interview. I think we can, uh, agree to that but i remember when i did a, a big feature on him as a recruit after he flipped to georgia uh, i just went down and talked to him about hunting hunting and fishing and all that stuff i mean this guy was as detailed and as focused and you could just tell that that was really where his passion was mm -hmm. more so than football and so there are a lot of guys where if you can find that topic you can't get them to shut up but then when Thanks it's football the same right well I, i'll say this from a fan perspective you guys do all the interviews that to me is the most fascinating thing when you guys go off the subject of football and veer into like like you said hunting with jake Fromm or whatever what makes these guys what what pushes their buttons outside of football that to me is the most interesting thing because we're learning more about them as a person right yeah and, well, and, and, and that, yeah one of the biggest mistakes I think that media makes is thinking that these guys know all the history of UGA, like the media <laughs> that covers UGA no. or the fans do. Because uh, like every year it's like, well, this is a rivalry game. What do you think this means? They're going to give you a canned answer about how it's important. And this like, a, you know, this is a big thing for Georgia. There are so many players on this team that had never watched a Georgia football game before they got on the team. That happens. Um, and they usually are NFL fans before they're college fans. Now, is that changing some now with Georgia's success? I Probably. I mean, Georgia's I, on I more of the big stages. Okay. But as a whole, I think you end up having players that's just like, I'm going to Georgia because they can get me into the league. There are a few that go to Georgia because they just are passionate yeah. about Georgia, and that's a life goal. But for the most part, it's what can Georgia do for me? Although I think yeah. that is actually the, the minority of it. I think it's very much what can I do for me – to get to the league and how do I get along with his coaching staff? That's they learn about the history. Once they're there, they learn about the rivalry. They really don't know much about the rivalries until year one. And then they're like, okay, we hate Florida. We hate Georgia tech. Um, and then of course the Tennessee Auburn and that stuff kind of falls in after that. But um, yeah, that, it, it's, they, they just, they, I, I remember learning this young, like pretty young when I was coming up uh, through the university and interviewing these guys. And I, I remember having the same thing. Like how do these guys not know that the, or feel the same way. It's just a different way to look at it. You know, it is not, I am a big diehard fan. It is, I'm really good at football and Georgia gives me the best opportunity to take it to the next level. I've yeah, a couple we, guys that, that are big fans of Javon Bullard loves Georgia. It, yeah, was, it was his life goal to get there. Right. Now I was going to say the two reasons why you asked those off wall questions are personality and comfort. When you talk to yeah. a guy in an interview and he goes, oh, he just asked me about this. This is a casual conversation. It doesn't even feel like an interview. It just feels like a conversation. That's why, like, podcasting and stuff like that is getting big. feels like more people having a conversation that you're enjoying versus more of, like, a job interview, which it's like we know you're just going to say good things because you want to get the job, you know? So I think right there you're trying to get comfort with him because then he's loose, and then you can get his personality. You know, I've also that. seen you guys like ask players about other players and they light up more, more so about those other players than yeah. they do about themselves, you know, and I find that interesting. 
Yeah, I think people like to talk about themselves over talk about others over themselves just for the human factor. And it's yeah, some some want all the shine in the spotlight, but um, man, a lot of them, especially position groups, just look out for each other. Like the the, mm. the brotherhood thing. Sorry, Jason Falcons. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, PTSD. Uh, <laughs> like that's a real deal. Um, but hey, I wanted to move on to our uh, next topic we wanted to get to because, Ben, you wrote an article for UGA Sports yesterday about Georgia filling out its baseball coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, and you had a, a pretty good thought of kind of the, the, I guess, the meta version of what this means for Georgia athletics. Not necessarily this particular hire, but as yeah. Georgia has transitioned a lot in recent years in some of the sports that aren't football, what does that mean for the athletic department? Yeah, because like the one thing I noticed is – you know, a lot of people always think, okay, Georgia's a football school, go on all, all in on football. Every program goes all in most heavily on football because you have to. It requires more to make those facilities. The stadiums are bigger. It's the biggest revenue maker. So go on all in on football. Thing is, I've noticed LSU is top 10 in football in the country. They just won in women's basketball. They won in baseball. They've been to the tournament in men's basketball. Most of these schools now, are multi-sport schools. So what does that say for Georgia? Because baseball this year, they didn't even make a regional. And then basketball, obviously Mike White, but there's new coaches coming in there. So I'm wondering from the athletic department's you know standpoint, Alabama used to be the same way. Now they're good at basketball. Baseball, they hosted a regional. So now we're starting to see even the teams that went all in on football getting better in the other areas of sports. Does Georgia get more aggressive now in those other sports? Does Georgia say, you know what, with Mike White, we're going to go all in. There's apparently five-star basketball recruits that are really interested in them. Baseball, you just took the, the pitching coach who has MLB experience and was at LSU, just won the title. Are they now going to get aggressive, and how does that change the landscape of everything? Because now are they going to be that multi-sports school, or should they just stick to this aggressive football model only and just ride it out for as long as they can? Because I think at some point they have to spread out to other sports. They just have to. Eddie, what's your perception? you say me i'm sorry i didn't yeah hear you. eddie what, what's your perception as a fan i'm curious well i i just can't get past the fact that i heard and i the name escapes me i'm sorry but a guy that covered lsu and he was interviewed on local atlanta radio when west freeman was announced as the hire and this is what he said he said and i'm not knocking sinclair or anything like that by saying this but he said with this hire georgia is finally serious about their baseball program and he covers LSU, and he knows that program backwards and forwards. And that really, when I heard that, I kind of was like, whoa, that's that's really good to hear. This guy is a legit SEC coach, much like Mike White. You know, everybody was like, oh, Mike White from Florida. Why is he doing that? SEC, he's been in the SEC. And Mike White, I think, is doing some great things in the basketball program that we haven't seen. And, you know, guys, this transfer portal – works absolutely great in Georgia's favor because the basketball and baseball programs have been behind the eight ball for a long time now, and they can quickly change things, turn things around. I think Mike White's doing that, and I think Freeman is the answer here because our problem this Johnson. year was, was pitching. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Fred Freeman. Wes Johnson is the answer because of the pitching, the pitching yeah. coach. Jason? Yeah, I mean uh... – I've been on the why isn't Georgia good at basketball? Why haven't they really committed? And, and I think to me, better facilities. And I still, I still stand behind that. That they got to do something about Stegman. But I'm with Eddie. Uh, Mike White has shown a uh, more, uh, I don't know, like a capability, a, com a commitment to recruiting somebody who's actually doing it to. to to uh, at a much better uh, efficiency, I guess is maybe a better word. I mean, on paper, I thought Tom Crean should have done well at Georgia. I mean, on paper. At, least, mm -hmm. at least for what Georgia was, you know, I mean, Georgia's been so down for so long, yet is so, is so close to so much talent, and they could never land under Mark Fox. He just was not a good recruiter at all. And it just seemed like Tom Crean. I mean, all right, Indiana, he could get him to the to the tournament. And he could get him to a Sweet 16. And Indiana hated the fact that they couldn't get any further than that. And it just seemed like, okay, well, at least at Georgia, he can get them to the tournament. And then all you need is one run and, and you know, just get lucky once. And then things can fall from there. And the guy was a total disaster and an absolute cultural misfit to this program. And 
with Mike White, I, th- I think you're seeing somebody who, who uh, you know, uh, he's not regarded, I think, as like the best at anything, but he does a lot of good things uh, or does a lot of things well. And, and you're seeing that with recruiting. I think you saw that when, when it came to some of the, especially earlier in the season, uh, you saw some some improvements. I mean, they were they looked much better just from a team perspective on both sides of the ball than the Crean years. I and mean, he really wasn't hasn't been working with much. And so uh, you like it, you like it, but I, I still think that uh, you know, and, and I think Josh Brooks has the, the right idea. I think his vision for what Georgia is and needs to be, you're seeing that with you know with these two coaching hires, with the the tennis facility getting upgraded. Um, you know, they they they've got to continue to be more. Uh, thinking on the forefront, the fact that they lost, uh, you know, the um, tennis tournament uh, to to Orlando and the UCF facility should have never happened. And I know that happened under uh, Greg McGarity when that first happened. And I, I, I just feel good about the direction Josh Brooks has for these other sports. Um, but uh, I, I still I still think that Stegman, something's got to happen there for basketball to really take that next step. They probably can't justify it until they put together a tournament type season though. But that to me, I think will, will, will propel them to that next level once they can address uh, those basketball facilities. And I'm not I can that say- happening next year, by the way, with yeah. basketball. I'm not right. at all. And also I'll, I'll say a quick thing here. So I forget his brother's first name, but Austin Newell is the five-star recruit who was born in Athens, whose brother's a walk-on, who's on the team right now. When he says, I'm being recruited by harder than anybody else in Georgia, and then you hear stories about how Nick Claxton never even heard from the head coach when he signed to Georgia, which is embarrassing to think about. And now you have Austin Noel, who's a five-star, who's saying, oh, I hear who's from out of state right now, saying they talk to me almost every day. That's night and day to me. Because previously, they had two coaches who signed multiple players who they never talked to. Well, I guarantee a part of them didn't even know. They just said, our assistants, all right, let's go up up and down the board. Like I know a lot of the assistant coaches with receivers, Brian McClendon likes certain receivers that Cortez Hankton didn't and vice versa. So obviously his assistants would do a lot of the recruiting work and they also hired lazy assistants too. But now you need a head coach who's an alpha. When Jay Johnson is the head coach at LSU for baseball, he's going out and he's talking to every transfer, every high school kid. Scott Strickland heard so many stories of, for baseball, how he didn't even talk to anybody. Like there were kids. I heard a story. I'm not going to name the person, but a former all um, SEC closer said, I wouldn't piss on that man if he was on fire. Like as a story, because he wow. had 60. So this is, this is the quick story. He threw 60 bullpen pitches before going to a game. Anybody who knows baseball knows that makes no sense. You don't wear a guy's arm out before you put him in a game. That's stupidity. And now they're saying, you know what? We're going to get the best pitching coach in the country. We're going to put him around a bunch of assistants. He'll take the pitching, put him around assistants that will recruit and get hitting. He hired a guy who was a scout in the MLB and was a championship JUCO coach. Hired one of the best hitting coaches in the SEC from Kentucky who also worked at Mississippi State. And then one of the most likable guys at Georgia, he brought him back to keep the roster intact. So we didn't lose any key pieces. That's huge. And then when you look at Eric Pastrana and the assistants that are on Mike White's staff, every single one of those guys is recruiting every single guy in the transfer portal. Every guy who signed with Georgia, they're following. They follow every transfer portal guy on Twitter. All the assistants do. Mike White, all those, all those talks with, I mean, they might sign two five-star recruits for the first time ever in the history of the program in one class. They've only signed two ever that played at Georgia. They might sign two in the same class this year. And I think that with the way Tennessee is competitive in three sports, Alabama's competitive in three to four of the top sports, same with LSU and every team in the SEC is competitive. I mean, Vandy's decent in basketball and great in baseball. Georgia has to adapt, and I don't even think that takes away from football. So I think that a massive change is going to happen to Georgia in the next couple of years, which is going to be exciting because, to be honest, after fall's over, outside of recruiting, our coverage kind of stumps down a ton because there isn't much to talk about. I think that's going to change next few years. And that's hey, the thing. I can, I, I can, Go I ahead, can solve the Stegman Coliseum thing right now. It's very easy, Josh Brooks. You cut down the cages and allow the motorcycle riders to ride over Stegman after every win. It's that easy. <laughs> there, there's, there's, another about. 
Oh, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's one other issue. Uh, I will tell people that we did talk to Josh Brooks on this YouTube channel. Coach Don and I did uh, just to get a facilities update on a lot of things. So that's here. It's about two weeks ago that that was published. Um, and, and one of the things that's happening that I think is long overdue, they're going to paint the top of Stegman that kind of looks like that spider's web of concrete. Right. They're going to paint that black, which is going to be slightly more intimidating and just better looking to the eye. That's like the cheapest fix that you can do, but they should have done that 30 years ago. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the underbelly of Stegman, like where the locker rooms are, I've done some public address announcing in there. In like the men's restroom, it's still the urinal trough. Oh, and oh. Yes, as long as that's the case, I can't tell you that Stegman is like a serious facility. It's um, not. It's not. So I mean, they have a lot of space on Millage, uh, South Millage. Build, build, uh, Ole Miss type arena out there. Ole Miss has, God, I brought up Ole Miss way too much today. They have oh, the yeah, best. That, that's your second school now. I know, apparently, no, but this is actually a positive thing. They have the best basketball arena in the SEC, hands down. It is so they still have the, the communal trough and they have the communal washing station where you yeah, push your foot yeah. down and you do everybody yep. does that and, and Stegman. Yep. That's still it's, there. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so but yeah, oh, I mean the old mess uh gym, phenomenal. And uh go build that on South Millage. Uh, I mean I know they don't want to move it that far away from campus, but I mean come on. Like if if that's if that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. The arena should be downtown. And where? Park, I mean, I get it, but where would you put it? I mean, the Classic Center is building an arena right now for a semi-pro hockey team. If the city and the university could find a way to actually talk to each other, then maybe that's a way they could have like a <laughs> multi-purpose. I know, like that—that's that's something that's way bigger than any of us can handle. Yeah. Um, but like, that's one of those things that like that'd be so much fun to be like. Right. Go downtown, and then there's the basketball arena right there. I did want to yeah. add, though, Ben, that – and, Jason, you touched on some of this. A lot of the sports that are a little bit even lower revenue, maybe the Olympic sports, uh, Georgia, I think, has done very well recently. Uh, men and yeah. women's tennis has, has jumped up even more, and historically they've been great. Uh, Ethan Quinn, following him this year, was fantastic. And seeing him in the U.S. Open is going to be really cool. He was so good that he's not coming back because he's a professional tennis player now. Gymnastics, I think, had a really good recruiting class. Uh, so they dipped from where they were in the Yachtland days, but it seems like there's at least some hope there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I see in other sports some, um, some hope. I do think baseball is a long way to go, but maybe they can write that pretty quickly. I, I think they got the right coach, though. Yeah. I do, well, you were talking about Stegman, Jason. I mean, Foley Field is probably one of the worst in the SEC, too. Like, if you yeah. see Miss, like, you talk about the Mississippi schools, weirdest thing about the Mississippi schools, for the most part, they suck at everything. They're like the, they, they, they're awful, but their stadiums, like, especially like baseball, basketball, are so nice, mm -hmm. yet they're garbage, like, as a team. So, like, they, they don't deserve it. Like, I think even Georgia's put up, I know that they won a championship. I think both in baseball had like a Cinderella run the two previous years. But outside of that, they don't win championships in anything. And they have these nice arenas and ballparks. And it's like Georgia could easily have far better than that. There's, they could. And there's no excuse for Georgia at this point not to be like Alabama is with the other sports, uh, really basketball. I mean, the fact that Alabama has become a, a really good basketball program. Uh, Auburn, too. Auburn, yeah, there's no excuse yeah. uh, for, for Georgia. Tennessee, too. I mean uh, – South Carolina made a Final Four. <sighs> yeah, I know. I mean, really, you look – I hate – I don't want to – I mean, yeah, we'll do it because I don't really care. Uh, Mark Fox <laughs> – I mean, Mark – you know, hanging on to Mark Fox as long as they oh, did. God, here we go. <laughs> hanging on to Scott Strickland, if he didn't have that one run, you know, after what, year five, you know, the worst thing that ever happened in Georgia baseball was that was making it to the playoffs uh, after, what, his first five years or four years of – below mediocrity and pretty, I'd pretty argue bad. the COVID year was the worst thing that happened because I think that oh, team, yeah. because it had that, two yeah. MLB pitchers. They had two first-round pitchers. Yeah. We were going to debut they, pretty they, soon they, in the big leagues. Yeah, but they still didn't – They, they didn't, I don't know. They never they, made they it. Yeah. They, he, he never – because because I can't remember what year that was. Was it 17 or 18? Where uh, they had everything to get to the College World Series and then lost to Duke. And, yeah. oh, you know, you yeah, just – they yeah. could not – yeah, he, he could not get them to where they needed to be. And then, I mean, I, I to this day, I do not understand why Fox stayed around. And it's just it's just silly. It's madness. I mean, it's, it's both those things. It's like. But it went so well at Cal for him. 
<laughs> Shocker. I know. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe it, but I mean, oh, you, oh, yeah. man, he, 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 he made the, t- he made the tournament in year two uh, with not his play with, with Felton's players. And then just, yeah, he made it one more time and like barely got in that time. And I, and the recruiting was outside of Contavious Caldwell Pope. I mean, the, the recruiting was never there. And, and he would always point to, you know, Yante and JJ. And it was like, well, he, he got lucky with JJ that JJ turned out to be a really good college player at five, eight or whatever he was. And, uh, and, and Yante being uh, overlooked until the end, uh, Otherwise, he didn't bring in anybody, and and uh, th- that that could take the program to the next level. I don't mean to. I'm not trying to dog these guys, but it's just the reality when you compare teams to teams, and uh, that really set the program so far back. Because I remember people that that did harp on Tom Crean's first year, and, and it was like I don't think they understood that once JJ and Yante were gone, there was nobody coming coming uh, into to replace that kind of production. Uh, Nick Claxton, I, I guess, but. Fox lied to Nick Claxton, from my understanding. He said he was going to put him on the wing, and and that first year he was uh, what eight minutes, ten minutes a game down low. It's just uh, just just insanity that he he stayed there so long. That's that's as close to a Jeff Collins style rant you're going to get uh, out of me tonight. But uh, this time on on yeah, because you know Fox. Auburn, like Auburn's one of Georgia's biggest rivals, and you know how they all of a sudden are just a ba- they're a basketball school now, like which is yeah. funny to me because I think in football they're I understand Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze can have fun, his style of fun at Auburn, I guess. That's what they're known for. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be big-time successful. They've turned into a basketball school. They have. And the funny part is Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, and all those guys, they're all from Georgia. Every single guy on that starting lot. Katie Johnson yeah. was one of their top four players. He was at Georgia. He transferred there. Yeah, Got worse there because, obviously, he went from being the number one to being the number four or five. That was a big part of it. But their entire roster is on Georgia guys. If you lock down the state of Georgia in baseball and basketball, you're a top ten program. There's no program. no excuse. If you at this lock point. down your state. Georgia is one of the three to four most talent rich states in the country, and its booster base is top five six in the country. If you invest, you're a top five to six program, or at least top ten in every sport. If you invest correctly, I just I just think it's plain and simple. There's so many teams in almost every sport. Ty Floyd. So I remember it was College World Series, the game two or game one. Both starting pitchers were from Georgia. They're both going to be drafted in the first round or two of the draft. You know, that's my well, point. The, the Georgia guys litter everywhere. The good, the good news for Georgia baseball guys is the last time Georgia hired an assistant coming off a national championship run at the previous team, it's been pretty good. Yeah. 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 Right? Jason, I do want to staple one observation to your Mark Fox rant, and okay. it uh, is about a specific player. As much of Georgia basketball of that era that I watched, I swear to you that John Florvius never touched a basketball. He was there, and he was moving, and, and his arms were flailing, and he was making motions, but I don't think his hands ever actually touched the ball. I mean, that's a pretty good observation. That's the case. They, they had some guys, man. Who was it? Um, it was it was Kessler's uh, older brother, Houston Kessler. Houston uh, Kessler, man, he was uh, that's a that's an awful look. Nice guy, nice guy. Mimi Jurisic, that was a fun one. So you get his brother, and you can't get yeah. him because they didn't recruit his brother. No, they recruited his brother, but uh, yeah, somehow, some way, Mark if Fox Tom like Green's the coach. Was he recruited? No, well, Fox was trying to recruit him, and Fox left. Yeah, well, Crean. Kareem was not. I mean, at this point, Kareem shouldn't be coaching anybody because he thinks it's oh, still. Oh wait a Was was Kessler after Anthony Edwards? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was so it was Tom Crean early. Early. You no, know, he wasn't recruited. That's also the funny story was Anthony Edwards, who loves Georgia, goes. I'll be honest, I wasn't recruited hard by them, but I didn't want to go to the Blue Bloods. They had everybody, and Florida State. I went on the visit and hated it, so I went to Georgia, even though I've always loved Georgia and been a diehard football fan. He even admitted basically, like. I kind of just said, screw it at this point. I'm going there. Like, yeah. that's kind of – and he's a guy who's been – he follows the football team. He hypes up Kirby. He's – and also, from everyone I've heard in, like, the athletics department that were either players or just from people we've all talked to, he's one of the nicest human beings, they said, like, in the – like, Anthony Edwards is a nice dude. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, t- to not recruit so many people when – if they get the top player from Georgia every year, Jalen Brown, Scoot Henderson was, like, the number two or three pick this year – there's like a top three or four draft pick from Georgia every year in basketball. 
you have a one and done dude and built just a decent team around them, you're a deep tournament team. And the funny thing is someone said on UGA sports, Mike white might be the, um, what's the name? Mark Richt of basketball. Georgia fans would love Mark Richt of basketball. Cause you'd be top 10. You might not yeah. win in the tournament because it's hard. John Calipari is a joke in the tournament and they're a top five team. If they go fun, if they have fun tournament runs, even into the elite eight, Teams will love it because it's so hard to win. But you could also argue six championships in 40 years. Seamus won six and 15. It's harder in basketball. But as long as you have a team that's making runs and making it consistently with some fun players, it's all you want. You're not going to win as consistently because of the nature of 64 team tournament. So Mark Richt in basketball is perfect for Georgia. So I don't understand that at all. For football, you want you need to get over that hump. For football, it's a little bit different. And for most other programs, Mark Rick would be a fantastic coach for most other programs. Texas A&M would love Mark Rick over Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> but for Georgia basketball, A-plus to have a Mark Rick of basketball. Well, and Ben, you brought up Ant-Man. And, and when when he signed with Georgia, I was like, here we go. Here, here's the great recruit we've been waiting for. We're going to get a bounce out of this. I guarantee you asked, I don't know, 80% of NBA fans, where did Anthony Edwards go to college? They probably wouldn't even know. Yeah. Because it, it I mean, was just it was just there, you know. He he really and I'm not knocking Anthony Edwards. He's a great player, but we got mm-hmm. nothing out of that. Absolutely nothing. He was just there and gone, and there was zero bounce out of it. It was pathetic, in my opinion. And that's what we've been waiting for for that type of player to show up in Athens, right? I mean, yeah, Georgia maybe the Tommy worst. Wilkins. Georgia may be the worst program to have three NBA players right now. Yeah, <laughs> and they're all good. They're all great. Yeah. yeah, every single one of them. I think there's this thing though that if you go through Tom Crean and you go through Mark Fox and you get to the NBA, you have to be a good player because if you have that coaching, <laughs> you're going to be better. Like Anthony Edwards goes, the Timberwolves are the worst organization I believe in the history of the NBA, like wins wise. He takes him to the playoffs in like year one or year two because yep. he's that good. And he actually has somewhat decent players around him where he's at Georgia. Everyone's small and can't shoot. So you have a small yep. team and you can't shoot. They never have a big man. Like the teams that Mark Fox and Tom Crean assembled made no sense because you had no center and you had nobody. Right. To shoot. So the two things you either have shooting like you're like the Golden State Warriors or you have a dominant big like a bunch of team in college. You had neither of that. That makes no sense. How do you construct a roster like that? So, you can't recruit. That's the problem. Well, you can't recruit. Yeah. So we're, we're going to take all uh, guys who play small forward and uh, a bunch yeah. of point guards who can't score. All right. Yeah, this uh, this might work. That this was Fox's strategy. Is. Just a bunch of threes. Position yeah, and they, could, and they, couldn't, they couldn't shoot threes. And they couldn't so you can't shoot. shoot yeah. And you can't get any rebounds. Yeah. What, what are you supposed to do? No, like, I'm, I'm eager for some baseball coach to say they're playing positionless baseball. I'm like, no, nope, doesn't work that way. No, <laughs> we're gonna put a bunch no. of catchers in in the center yeah. field. Yeah, it's that's gonna work. We recruit a bunch of catchers. They can catch a ball, so we'll put them in center, even though they can't run to it. Uh, Brandon on YouTube says stick to football. To which I say, eh. Uh, but you're kind of lucky, Brandon, because that was the, the next topic we we're going to hit yeah. was the spot on Georgia's football depth chart uh, position groups. We'll go with that position group that you feel the best about with Georgia and the position group that if there's Ooh. one to worry about that, that's the one that would cause you some concern heading into the season. This is a topic we talked about on UGA Sports Live as we've been going through the position groups each week. So I'll start this and then pass it around to y'all. Defensive line, it took us 20 minutes to go through Georgia's defensive line just for the depth and everything that's there. And if you combine it into front seven with linebackers behind it, I think Georgia's defensive front is still going to be really good. If I have an area of concern beyond quarterback, because I kind of exempted that conversation, we'll have it a ton. To me, it is tackle on offense. If you have Hmm. one injury, tackle or center, I just don't see the experience depth um, behind Ah. the tackle-center combination. And Hmm. I'm just saying, if a tackle and Cedric Van Pran gets hurt, Austin Blasky goes to center, you're playing someone at tackle that hasn't really played. And that would be worrisome to me. Okay. I mean, I... I don't know. I, I feel like offensive line, when you look at it, it's a pretty deep group that you, feel, you yeah. feel good about. And I think a lot of the reason I'm actually going to go with the offensive line, I'm going to disagree vehemently with you, Dane. Well, wait, vehemently. But, but Dane said a specific position. You're talking about. I thought he said position group. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. It's, 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 so, so, 
I say offensive line because uh, they all cross train. I mean, like the fact that yeah. Blasky is tackle and center, yeah. or you could probably move. Uh, I'm just trying. I mean, Ernest Green, if you needed to, I mean, I'm, he could play guard. Uh, Michael well, I'm not Morris, worried about guard at all. I'm not. I think no, guard, nobody, nobody's yeah. worried about guard. No. I, I just, I think that tackle's fine. I think when you look at these, the fact that they they, <clears throat> they go through pretty much three deep at the off at offensive line. I don't think that like, because there hasn't been a tackle, let me, I'll cut myself off there. Like I trust this coaching staff with offensive line way more than maybe I did in the beginning because of what we saw in the Rick years where we talked about this last week, you had a, you had an offensive lineman go down and then you had a second one go down. Like the entire lines reshuffled and they were screwed. And that happened uh, almost every year. If you have a couple injuries on the offensive line with this group, you are fine. They have – I think they are just as in a good position as the defensive line is, as you mentioned, with depth. Uh, sure, the game experience might not be there, but the way they've recruited, I, I, I really don't have an issue with the offensive line. I, I guess in my scenario, I'm just saying, are you confident in either – because I think these would be in the running for that kind of spot behind there. If two, all, if two players that play tackle get hurt among the three of Mims, Blasky – green or even if one of those is van pran and blasky has to go to center are you fine with one of your tackles being xavier truss we've seen him out at tackle sure or are you fine with that being monroe freeling who's a well, true freshman monroe freeling sure i mean i think like you hear you've heard good reports about him i i think at some point he's gonna have to play whether he's a true freshman yeah. or not Fair. i mean i'm not i'm just not concerned um with offensive line. That's like they have done the part. They have done what uh, they set out to do uh, from the beginning, and they've built a really good group uh, in terms of uh, this just across the board offensive linemen, and they cross-train these guys so that in worst-case scenarios, they can move over and play a different position if needed. All right, your area of concern? Kicker. Absolutely. That is the one position. When you change a kicker, especially somebody – uh, like Hot Pod has been pretty consistent. Uh, yeah. Mm, no. I mean, we've seen as any kicker they've ever had. Yeah. I, I mean, you're talking about uh, a, a Zirkle or the freshman. Um, don't know. Don't know. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm Zirkle's still here. That, that yeah. name just brings me flashbacks of, man, they're taking a kicker and they're going to take another scholarship kicker. Oh, yeah, that guy's still on the roster. But I would agree with kicker, but to go um, – with bad for good, uh, I'll go inside linebacker because I think you have three dudes there who are all good. Like, I trust Jalen Walker. I've been hyping him up all show. He's the first Georgia commit I ever interviewed. And I just, his game tape, especially the TCU game season went on. He made bigger play after bigger play. He's your third guy. You have Dumas Johnson and you have Smell London. That's the best inside linebacker in core, I think, in the country by far. So I'll take that. I, I have my faith in Glenn Schumann. He was the first pick in my draft last week. I have faith in him. Then you know what? I'll actually go just to go away from special teams and individual players. The one unit I'm a little bit on is running back because Kendall Milton hasn't proven to be uh-huh. healthy. This is why I say this. Kendall Milton hasn't proven to be healthy. Branson Robinson's coming off that foot issue, so we don't know if he's going to be healthy at week one. He's going to miss the entire fall. I mean, I mean, he's going to miss the entire like summer camp. Then you have Edwards. Then you have Robinson's a freshman. Andrew Paul's coming off a torn ACL. I don't and, know if it's been cleared and, yet. So and. no, no, don't move on. Say his name. Cash Jones. Thank you, sir. There you go. Cash <laughs> Jones. He's the guy. So actually, that might change my pick to them being the strength. Now that now that I remember he's still <laughs> Um and Lynette Whitehead, what a transfer. But um I, I think that there's so much injury concern there. You talk about injury concern with offensive line. None of those guys are hurt. All these running backs are either hurt or have a history of being hurt or they're freshmen. So that's why I'm like, it gives me some concern. I always know they're going to run the ball well, but as a unit, you don't know who's going to be the running back what week given their history of these guys. Eddie? Yeah, it, uh, Jason took mine. I did the position, like you said, position group. I said special teams, which is a stretch, but I, I was really narrowing it that down to the kicker. 
uh, Peyton Woodring. We don't know what we're getting with him. I think Brett Thorson is going to be awesome. I mean, he proved that last year. But, uh, yeah, you just going from Podlinski to this, you just don't know. So, But I, I, I'm with you a little bit, Ben. I thought about the running back position as a weakness, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, ah, you know, I, I'm with you on the Kendall Milton, just can't seem to stay healthy type of thing. But everybody seems to just kind of gloss over Dijon Edwards. That guy's a beast. I mean, he's just always there. He's always healthy, and he hammers people in that fourth quarter. And you get Branson Robinson back healthy, and I'm telling you, Roderick Robinson's the one to watch at running back. I think he that kid's going to be something special. So that's why I didn't pick them. The strength? I'm going to go with the wide receiver group. I think I'm going to say it right now. I think this is the best wide receiver group Georgia has ever had in the history of the program. I'm sorry, Dom, Rara, Lad. I'm going to include the tight ends in that. They're catching passes, so they're part of the wide receiver group. Uh, everybody talks about all these Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint. Nobody talks about Aaron Smith. That guy's coming back. That guy's unbelievable at wide receiver. They're awesome. Do they get does do any of them get a thousand yards? No. I don't think so. But, and they don't have but to. But who cares? Who yeah, cares? They don't have to. Well, they don't have to. Because Lad McConkey still might be a second round pick with like seven hundred yards. Think yeah. about it. Dominic Lovett was top three in the SEC. Now I think he missed a game. He had eight hundred receiving yards. He was top three in the SEC. There was like I think Jalen Hyatt was the only thousand yard receiver in the conference last year, and Tennessee just huck and chuck. That's their offense. I say I say who cares, Jason, but the only thing I'll say with that is if one of the players cares that they're not getting, you know what I mean? I don't know about Dom and Ra Ra. I think the other guys that are on the roster don't give a crap about how many they get. But I I, I know if it well, if any of them do care, they're not gonna play. I can tell you that. Well, that's a good You know what I mean? If Kirby catches wind that these guys care more about their individual stats, they're not gonna play. I mean, it helps that the most productive ones returning are Bowers and McConkey, and you know they're just gonna do the same thing. Wait, yeah. D- Dame, which one did you say was your strength? Uh, strength for me was just defensive line. Uh, but I kind of included that into front. It just, man, when you start going down the names of like to get through the season, Georgia is better equipped at defensive line to weather any injuries or just have fresh guys that can rotate in and out. And I know that stuff with Jalen Carter leaving, he was so disruptive. They don't have that. I'm not saying they do. But just in terms of volume of players that can be competitive in the SEC, I really like George's defensive line. And the and the reps coming, the reps coming back. That floors me. The reps that these guys have yeah. in live time football. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I was gonna go secondary, but I just think when you look at it as a whole for something that would be more of a negative, even though I think it's a strength, I don't think there are as many weaknesses on this team outside of quarterback because your quarterback's never played so you kind of I just think that's an easy one because it's one guy most important position he hasn't played but I'm not going to go there but when you look at the secondary you have three elite dudes coming back and they're all going to be drafted high last year's a first rounder Starks will be a first rounder next year when he's eligible and Ballard is the anchor who has first round film the only knock on him is obviously going to be his size and he's a nickel you know nickel small safety that might knock him in a fellow evaluator's eyes into the second round, but I still think he could be a first rounder in the later part if he tests well. So all three guys you all have three guys back are high uh, draft picks. So I I don't see the secondary really as a weakness. They're going to put two new guys in there, but they're both probably going to be damn good. Hey, I want to wrap the show with this. It's uh, really hot. Um, you know, I'm a meteorologist now. I'm telling you it's hot because it's triple digits and we're dealing with that across the South. Do you have any tips for like, you know, staying warm? What's the thing or staying cool? What's the thing that you do? Staying warm. Uh, what's the thing that you do that uh, other people could learn from of, you know, what battling the, the heat wave that comes in the South this time of year, which I say the South, but I think it's up the Eastern seaboard toward you guys too, Jason and Ben. Yeah. You want to um, go first, Jason? I don't really. I've been think. I have been thinking about this because because before you know Dane brought this up and I, I don't know, man. Crank up the AC inside. Don't go outside. That's it. That's that's. that's I just become a. I just become a vampire when it gets too cold or too hot. I just become a vampire. And I stay, stay away from the sun. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate sunburn. <laughs> my mother would always say if ben, if Ben broke his arm, he he would enjoy that more than getting sunburned, dude. I hate sunburn. So if I'm second, I'm overheated. I'm just in shade. Can't be too overheated, even though I still love the beach and all. Just can't deal with sunburn. Eddie, anything? Stop being wussies. We live in the South. It's <laughs> summer. It's hot. This is the lead up to football. Y'all are all invited. 
Come sit in my pool. It's right back there. And watch the <laughs> hottest team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves, kick everybody's ass in the MLB. That's how you deal with summer. Eddie's pool. That's how you do it. The whole topic came up because I have a new beverage addiction that I just wanted to talk about because I'm now an evangelist for Topo Chico, the carbonated water. Oh, okay. It is so refreshing to me. Uh, It is it's replacing all of soda consumption in my world, Um, and that's very much like a northern thing in america uh, like if you go to new york city they ask you like do you want like tap water or sparkling water and it always said tap but like there's something yeah. about topo chico that has just hit for me and it's distributed by coca-cola so it's still southern actually you know? i was gonna that. say um jason you know eddie murray used to play for the orioles like the mm-hmm. legend because i was gonna I, say he's the ipa and since eddie's on here i was gonna say i, I have some of that seven. downstairs the I got some of that IPA. yeah just have a cold beer of steady eddie's and just go out by the pool <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna bring it up since he talked about the pool and having a nice beverage. So, uh, one of these weeks, Paul's gonna do the show from Eddie's pool. Come on, it's open. <laughs> we should all, you still all open, come Eddie, down. Do you still owe him the steak? Does he owe you the steak? Or no, he, I, I owed him and I paid him off. We couldn't we couldn't meet up, so I sent him a, a Grubhub. So I paid it off that way. We could oh, not. Okay. Meet I, up. I thought you had it, but I guarantee was like point. It was like 0.5, literally. It was brutal. Bad it was beat. Brutal. It should have been a split, but. But I, I pay I pay my debt, so I, he's good. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap it here for the Sunday call-in show from UGASports.com. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and go check out our work over at UGASports.com. Always enjoy hanging out with you all. Hope you have a fantastic july 4th holiday celebrate with your family and friends get your topo chico avoid the sun like jason says um i we can say fireworks as a topic for another time because since i have young children i now hate fireworks and all of my neighbors that shoot all fireworks i also hate them too um so maybe they're listening and we'll have a fun conversation uh thanks for watching everybody we'll see you next time here from ugasports.com